no you idea. know what would be cool? What? <laughs> it's impossible, but it would be cool. Is if you just, like, got rid of your kitchen. <laughs> Actually, hold that thought. I want this to continue, but I want to have this conversation live. Welcome to Hashtag General. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Logan Studley, and of course with me is Chris Akamura. How's and it going? It's going... Well, I, I told you this right before we started recording, that basically I've been kind of sick all week and yesterday I had a migraine so I was James at one point was like so are we doing the show tomorrow I'm like the show must go on it always goes on it always goes on thankfully no migraine today <laughs> but um that's good no like an example of like how weird because I was mostly fine just really congested sure so one day I made myself curry and James like walks in from like after I'd already eaten all that, he walks in from work. He's like, oh, man, it's like walking into an Indian restaurant. And I'm like, ah, ha, ha. I was so congested. It wasn't until the next day that I get home from work and I just walk in the door. I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. It was just like, Curry it was a like, strong smell. It was like really strong. And I'm like, I couldn't smell it at all the day I made it. Like, I was just like, ah, da, 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 da. And James is. I have no clue how James didn't murder How was me. it? Did James have some? How was it? No, I ate it all. I thought okay. it was good. Even okay. with no sense of smell, I thought it was good. That's about how it goes. That's fine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, how about you? What have you been up to? Nothing. The the, the esports and gaming seasons are kind of starting to roll back around again. So like uh, all the League of Legends stuff is is rolling back up. So that's keeping me really busy. And then we have the uh, Overwatch League starting up in a month or so. Yeah. So just just a lot of stuff. All the FGC stuff and fighting game stuff starting to end. Um, starting to get back and busy after the holiday season. So yeah, it's. I feel like at my job, in where for some reason it was like it took us a month to get back into like right. focus. It was just like, oh, we'll be ready to go like two weeks after the holiday, and then it was like four weeks later, and I'm like, are we actually gonna get back into the groove of things? And then you full on sprint down the rest basically, of the year, right? yeah. yeah. I'm just like, oh man, I I was looking forward to having you know it not be that way, but whatever. So. I do want to know because you were in the middle of a thought before we went live, right? <laughs> I want it. I just want to know this full thought. So, for anyone that's watching live or watching the VOD or whatever, so to to this side, to the left of us is is Logan and and um, is basically the kitchen. Yeah, to even give right? you a like, bit more perspective, if James moved the camera, I think like an inch in either direction. You would literally like the whole charade would just collapse. Right. So, so this is all a facade. We're all alive. It, yeah. Like, it's so basically, there's there's a full kitchen here down like kind of a we call it a corridor or a hallway. Yeah, like, like it's a it's a, yeah, it's a kitchen, it's, right? So it's like a it's one of those like long kitchens. Like it's not a it's not a room per se. It's a long kind of hallway type kitchen, right? And there you go. What, what's the word, James? It's a, it's called a galley kitchen. A galley kitchen. Okay. Right. Okay. So <laughs> I like it. It's 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 a kitchen you would per se find on a boat, right? <laughs> so while we're looking at camera to the left or to the right of the camera is James on a computer. Yeah. Also to also to our left to the camera's right is James giving directions and signals and cues and running the stream and doing a fantastic job engineering the whole thing and producing the whole thing. But I can't actually make eye contact or see James because of the wall in the and way. And I can kind of almost can kind I can of kind of see, see James. James, but James has to lean. Yeah, James to like, has to like lean over. Right. So I was saying before we went on, 
that, and I preface this, it's impossible to do. Well, not, not impossible, impossible, but very unlike, very like very dumb to do. Don't do this. So the idea is, if we could get rid of this kitchen, and you move the table into the kitchen, and then you cut out a a hole or a a window in this wall, and put like a piece of plexiglass in between, or even like. You know, some kind of polycarbonate. That way we could actually have, like, a little recording booth right. for James. Absolutely. So, I guess, James, I want your thoughts here. What's more important in our apartment? Is it a kitchen or the ability for us to record random shit? I'm going to say, like, the structural integrity of the building. <laughs> Let's keep that. I mean, if you had a... If you put... if you, As long as you put, like, a headboard on top and, and, and had, you know, shims correctly placed, you'd be fine. It, I don't think this is a load-bearing wall. I hope it's not a load-bearing wall. I would, I would think not. Like just looking at the structure of this place, I don't think so. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think like if you just whacked down this wall, it would collapse. But like you know, you could check. There's stud finders that you can use in like different methods. Because the truth is, more and more, like James and I have been talking about basically like turning because we're in what is kind of the dining space. I wouldn't call it a room because it's. Literally just a space where right. you can, like, eat. Sort of eat. And Dine, yeah, per se. The amount of times James and I have had conversations about, like, like last a couple weeks ago, he's like, maybe we should put, like, a grid, like a lighting grid yeah. on the roof. Like a drop our, ceiling. Our apartment is slowly becoming a recording studio, and, yeah. Actually, the drop ceiling was actually really nice, because you could hang anything from it, and, like, it would help with soundproofing, because you could put, like... I can't read your face from here because it's just too dark, James. He's either... Oh, hi, Laura. What's up, Laura? <laughs> the... <laughs> I, I'm in favor of the no kitchen, but the, that's just me. I don't live here. That's yeah, I, I, it would be very rough on... <laughs> both. First off, the cost of doing... Not only tearing out the wall and setting up our little recording It actually move, wouldn't be that much. But the, also the cost to our pocketbook of having to buy food to dine out That's all the true. time. I mean, this you would could be move, cost prohibitive. You could move the fridge and the stove here instead, like where we are. But, but then, oh, so you're saying we... You could just, move. You honestly, could at move. that point, couldn't we just shrink the wall? Just make it a little bit smaller? Just shave it down? Just so that way we have more of a view of James. But then, but then you could, like... Cut it off and make it really soundproof. That's really true. cool. All of this is because we want to just spend more time with James. That's true. <laughs> I just want to be able to stare at him and, like, when I say something stupid, he can look at me and shake his head. Uh, it's, my, it's the fear. He, he's been doing that for like the past three minutes. He's yeah. like, why are you guys still talking about this? <laughs> anyway, finally, I do have one more thing before we go on. Did you hear about the guy who got accidentally invited to a bachelor party? Yes, and flew any... And he and flew actually flew out. So I guess my question to you is, if you got an invite in your email from just someone, and it's obviously intended for someone else, there's some other Chris Akamura, they just, like, you have a different digits in, right. the, in the Gmail account, would you fly across the country and go to this bachelor party? Depends where it was. And what I had going on at the time. If I was free, if I had the if I had the means to do it, I would. 
Because I, I thought about it and I realized what would happen with me is I would probably sit there and tell all my friends, I'm like, yeah, I got this weird email from someone like to like the wrong bachelor party. And what really matters is what happened five minutes after I got the email. Because if I hadn't replied going, hey, you sent it to the wrong person, I would probably have like completely forgotten about it. Right. And then they would never have known. They'd been like, hey, hey, Logan. So funny story about this. Why, why didn't you go? This, of course, to other Logan. But... So I, you I, you can end up throwing this up at some point, but I got this text message the other day, right? So this is what I get, right? <laughs> oh damn! Right? So oh, it, God. it's basically a girl that that thinks that I'm a guy that she met on a dating site and sent me a picture of her boobs, right? <laughs> and it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a lewd photograph. Yeah. But, uh, so I told hey, her, hey baby, it's blank. Yeah. So I told her I told her she had the wrong number. But she in the picture, she ha- there's a small piece of her arm showing with a tattoo, right? Now, to me, the top of the tattoo looks like a cat. <laughs> and I'm very curious of what the tattoo is. Did so, you ask her what the tattoo was? So, yes, I continued this conversation. So I said, sorry, you have the wrong number. And then so she apologized and we started to talk. And she was like, are you at least a guy? I was like, yes, I, <laughs> I am at least a guy. And I go, hey... Is the tattoo on your arm a cat? Okay. And she goes, so do you like boobs? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, wait. I was like, I'm in a very happy relationship, but what's up with the tattoo? And so she continues to to be very uh, forward in her in her advances. <laughs> but uh, I just want to know about the tattoo. So finally, she goes, yes, it's a cat. Stop asking about the fucking tattoo. <laughs> and then I go, thank you, and then I proceed to block her. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I will say too that Jenny, my wife, is also very invested in the tattoo <laughs> at this point in time <laughs> because I showed her the picture and she also thought it was a cat. And so it was like inquiring minds have to know. Yeah, we. I have to know. I'm not, dude. I will meet this girl in person. Like she, re- she's ready to go. I will meet her in person. Look at the tattoo. Hi, and then, I'm Chris. This is my this is my wife. Right, and I Jenny. will I will show I will show up. Show us the tattoo. Show us the tattoo, and then we will bounce. Right, like this is like that's at the point that I was at where like she didn't answer this fucking message. Right. So like this is <laughs> these these things happen from time to time. Oh my god. So we, at least we know it's a cat. It's a cat. Yeah, it's a very realistic cat too. It's a very. Uh, she didn't send me a picture of it, but like you can tell, it's a very detailed cat. All right, I think I think that does it for here. You want to move on? Yeah, go for it. All right, let's go on to movies. So, what do you think of the Spider-Man trailer? Oh, the Far Away from Home. Yeah. Uh, so I like it. I don't. Love it. I okay. I really like it. I think it's great. Uh, it's something that I really enjoyed. I, I'm, I'm excited and amazed that they made Mysterio look cool. Because <laughs> like he, fucking fishbowl on his head, right? Like when you yeah. think, when you look at him in the comics, or you look at him in like the nine the nineties animated show, he looks kind of stupid. And then, but they made him look really cool looking. The globe doesn't look weird, um, at least from like the small shots that we got. Uh, I love the Nick Fury stuff that they're doing in there. Yeah. Uh, everything's really cool. But 
coming off of Into the Spider-Verse where we get this really cool and fresh take on what a Spider-Man film is and like all the marketing and how that movie looks, it does feel... And it's apples to oranges, I know, but it does feel slightly disappointing to see just a standard, like, run-of-the-mill Marvel trailer. Yeah. I know. My thought, especially with the whole... This has been the question everyone's had about the far-from-home marketing anyway, is we still have Captain Marvel, and we still have Avengers Endgame. Right. And... Nick Fury disappeared at the end of Infinity War. Right. So it's so did kind of, Tom, so did so did Spider-Man. So did Spider-Man. And so it's admittedly we it's kind of everyone has already assumed that right. somehow they'd become back. We already knew the movies were on the slate. But it made me sit and start to wonder what got cuz the theory around Endgame is there's some form of time travel. Right. And there's a part of me that has wondered what all has changed because I kind of got from like the the Spider-Man Ultimate animated series that's been out recently right. where Spider-Man is basically like at Shield Academy. Right. I kind of with the whole Nick Fury stuff I'm like did Shield not go down right. in this new timeline? It could be it could repair a lot of things cuz the thing is that as cool so preface Winter Soldier is still my favorite MCU movie, um, by far. I still love that movie. And so, as great as that movie is, the Hydra reveal and the S.H.I.E.L.D. reveal does kind of limit them in terms of world-building of what they can do. Yeah. Um, and it... I'm not going to say ruined, because I think Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a fantastic show, but it completely changed the direction of how that show is run, and like the way that that show... <laughs> was handled. Well, I mean, its first season is when that reveal happens. Right. And so, like, the trajectory of that show... Because the the first half of that season really does build up some really cool dynamics of, like, the infrastructure of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the rules and regulations and, like, working within those rules and regulations, right? Uh, And so now, spoilers for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the rest of the series is really them as, like, this ragtag group of kind of freedom fighters and, like, kind of... uh, it's kind of like a covert ops kind of mercenary group that uh, mercenary is the wrong word, but like you know, it's just sort of a uh, an off an off center group. Yeah, what's up? James was texting me. Oh, okay, because <laughs> we can't see him, right? Uh, what? Okay. Uh, no, not right now. iPad is super limited. I have an iPad too, everybody. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like I, I think I think it'd be cool if they brought back Shield and, and all that stuff. I mean, yeah. it just depends. I don't know where they're going. I did see a post on Reddit that was like, "It's super jarring to go to the theater and see the Endgame trailer and Spider-Man trailer back to back." Oh my god, that is because <laughs> they're showing them back to back. Yeah. Oh my god. <clears throat> like if you it's... go to AMC right now, they're showing them back to back. It's weird. I wonder how much of this is beyond Disney's control. Because I think some of the marketing decisions are made by Sony when it comes to Spider-Man right. Far From Home. So, notice, I I just wonder if Marvel didn't necessarily want a trailer, but knew they wouldn't have a choice. Sure. But, I mean, I could see that. And, and the thing is that the movie's coming out in July, right? Yeah. There's no way you could wait till Endgame to like start promoting. Yeah, exactly. So, I think that's the... It's just a kind of catch 22 um you would have to the, the only way you could do it correctly is if like you pushed all your films back you didn't have a film in july if it was like the november, in, like, release november release instead yeah yeah that's the only way you could really do it correctly and give it kind of 
it's do it's do justice in terms of like waiting and having people on pins and needles. But it's not like anyone not, like doesn't think that they're bringing these people back. So. Yeah, it's one of those scenes where we we saw them go, but we all knew they were coming back. Right? Because um, no one ever dies in a comic book movie. No, I mean unless you're Quicksilver, but I mean the, <laughs> whatever. And you're not you're you're Aaron Terrell Johnson's Quicksilver. Okay, that doesn't matter. Um, Watch is somehow as part of Endgame they bring him back. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I did one thing I did like in the Far From Home trailer was Flash. Right, There's this whole bit about why do you love Spider Man so much, and then he calls he's like calls him what Dickweed, yeah, or something. It's like oh, that was that made me appreciate the this this take on Flash Thompson. Oh yeah, and he's like the he's like the nerdy bully. Yeah, like, the nerdy bully. The and because. Too is because admittedly, unlike you, my main influence with Spider-Man stuff is like from cartoons. Because right, I, I realized this the other day. I couldn't tell you where the comic book store was in my hometown growing up until I was in high school when one opened up. I'm not sure if there was one beforehand. Right, so there would have been like no comic right. books for me. So my whole inter- like knowledge of Flash was either from the movies where he's never plays at all, right, or in the Spider-Man Ultimate cartoon where he's totally like. You've never watched the 90s cartoon? No, I never watched oh, the 90s wow. cartoon. Oh, wow. We gotta do that. It's... You have to... I had cable intermittently right. throughout my life. So... And never at points where Spider-Man or, like, Batman or so any for of any, the cartoons So anyone wrong. out there, including Logan, that hasn't seen the 90s animated Spider-Man movie, or Spider-Man series by Fox, go back and watch that. You can find them online. Uh, there's, there's ways to get them. I'm not gonna say any more than that. But uh, the that series was so influential in the same way that Batman the Animated Series was influential to Batman, where there's certain choices and decisions that that show made that just became and overwrote the 40 years plus of Spider-Man comics before that, of where these characters come from, who they are. For the majority of people, comic book writers included some of the characters like origin stories and like their voices and how you picture them in your head are, come from that show. Uh, and so it's a, an extremely important part of, of the Spider-Man sort of mythos and the Marvel mythos. Cause that was sort of the start of, um, there's a great video on online on this. I can't remember what it's called. I think it's called from comics to screen or something like that. Uh, it's a, it's a YouTube channel. Uh, that does a series where they go over old 90s Marvel cartoons. So there's one about the start of the MCU, which was this mi- this 90s Marvel boom. And it was, a, it was a way to sell toys. So the way that they did it was they made a Marvel Cinematic Universe using Iron Man, the original X-Men animated series, Spider-Man animated series, uh, and, the fanta- and they had a Fantastic Four and Hulk series as well. And all of those intermingled together. Um, in this 90s Saturday morning block. Kind of similar to how DC did it with... Uh, with Justice League and, Sp- and yeah. Superman and stuff like that, right? But this was way before that. Um, and so uh, they all appear within each other. That's the first time we get an idea of Spider-Verse. Uh, so he also did a video on sort of the origins of the Spider-Verse idea. So the Spider-Man animated series ends... Uh, spoilers. On a, <laughs> on a like, four-part or five-part Spider-Verse arc where Spider-Man travels to different dimensions and meets different versions of himself and different alternate futures. Uh, 
So again, that's the first time that idea is introduced to Spider-Man. And now it's such a big part of it. Like, there's so many comic series and so many different storylines that involve Spider-Verse, right? And so yeah, like, now, that, have, like, now that's such an important thing, but that's where it starts, right, is the, ni- the 90s cartoon. So, so this is where we get the idea of Silk and Spider-Gwen and... Well, not... Not, not necessarily that, those two, but, but just that, like the, the idea, idea that there's different Spider-Man in different dimensions out there, right? That's the first time we get this. Cool. I'll have to look into that one. Right. And leave a note in the show notes that will eventually, eventually when I actually sit down and fix the <laughs> website, they will be there. <laughs> Um, yeah, the more you know. So, you know, that's nineties, nineties animated cartoons. Well, it's kind of interesting because you bring that up. With my biggest concern to like kind of pivot entirely, I still haven't seen Aquaman. But my biggest frustration with like DC's attempt at having their own little cinematic universe, even though they called it something else, right? Well, was the DCEU? It was yeah, like the extended universe or something, something like that. It, it was it was a bad name for a... It's not worse than the Dark Universe. <laughs> anyway, uh, was knowing how good of a job the DC animated stuff did of having this crossover. Well, even the new stuff. Yeah. All the new animated stuff. Go watch all the new animated stuff that they put out since like 2014 or 15. I think it starts with Justice League War was the first one. And then just go from there. Uh they started a new continuity with Justice League, and like all of those movies are absolutely fantastic. I think there's like 13 of them now, in the in the chain. But uh, go watch those. Continue. Yeah. So no, it's just they, I wish that they can't get it right. And now right. they're like all the talk is, oh, we're doing more standalone stuff, and it's like, are you guys going to just like drop the interconnectivity? Which I don't think I, they'll drop it. I mean, the, and I don't never. I don't think the interconnectivity was the problem because again, no, it wasn't. Like, the way they interact and, like, the parts of Justice League that work are the ones where they're interacting. It is mainly storytelling and, yeah. and sort of the way that Which they Which is why when they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to do focus more on standalones, it's like, yeah, I have no problem with you focusing on standalones. Why didn't you do this sooner? Again, but, yeah. I don't even think that was the issue. I, 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 I'm confused at why they think that is the issue, that they didn't... It just, I, it just seems like they... I don't think on a, not necessarily a creative level, but on the company level, we're invested in finding someone to spearhead the creative level. Right. The way Marvel had Feige. Right. And it doesn't necessarily have to be one person. It's as Zack long as, Snyder. You don't believe in yeah. Jack Snyder? Well, evidently not. Um, <laughs> but it just, because Zack Snyder wasn't everything. He no. had his like fingers in everything, quote unquote. That he shouldn't have had hanging. Yeah. But there needed to have been someone who was more concerned about the universe and not about what story right. was being told at the time. Again, they needed a Feige or a group of people acting as a Feige, and they waited too long to do it. Right. But I feel like DC Universe is a whole big can of worms that we can... I do I do like the idea of them, what they're exploring now, of sort of having spinoff stuff. So, yeah. like, the, the, jo- the Joaquin Phoenix joker movie yeah i'm interested um, in that one that one like that's interesting to me uh i've heard rumors of like them wanting to do something about like the new batman stuff with like killing like involving killing joke somehow with another joker so just having all of these sort of feelers out there we have that harley quinn movie yeah right so we have all these different feelers out there that whether or not they connect i mean if they have three different jokers they're probably not going to connect yeah they're definitely not going to but i just like the idea of hey, we're just going to use these characters in ways, in different and weird ways, 
that are one-offs that you you might not see normally. Which is kind of almost how it was no, before, we, like the whole trilogy. Like, because there's always been like this trilogy thing, right. but the I, it's kind of because you get these one-offs in comics all the time, right. and it's I guess that's a good way of trying to make themselves stand out from Marvel. Yeah. Because Marvel has a formula, and they have locked it in with how they right. do their thing. And I think it limits them, too, because they're not able to do some of the weirder stuff. Yeah. Uh, like, again, for the, if they wanted to introduce Miles Morales into the MCU, it'd be almost impossible at this point. Yeah. Right? Without it being highly confusing. Yeah. Right? If they wanted to do Civil War the right way, because now that they have all the rights to their characters back, they could theoretically do... Civil War, the way Civil War was about the registration of all right, and like the way that that Mark uh, was was wrote wrote the comic, right? Like the Mm -hmm. way that that was supposed to work with all these different heroes and all this stuff. But you can't at this point, you can't go back and like do it again, right? You can't redo that yet unless you want to reboot the whole thing. Now you have to figure out how to shoehorn Fantastic Four and X-Men in there. Like, it's weird. Or they have wiped their entire continuity post-Avengers. Right. Like, this is this is where it gets strange. Yeah. Doctor Strange. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's just... It limits them. When they're not doing stand- standalone or standoff or spinoff stuff, it, it limits them a little bit. Yeah, because... You've even heard stuff about that back with, like, Whedon and Avengers 2, where... They were wanting to have, like, no, these are the story beats that need to happen to set up all the stuff in the future. Right. And it was kind of created this weird schizophrenia in the movie where Whedon was trying to do one thing, but the movie needed to do something else at the same time. Oh, you mean the barn versus Thor in the Yeah, bathtub? exactly. Yeah. Like, where it's just like, okay, you, I, but Marvel's, I think they've got it better under control now. No, absolutely. But... All right, let's move on to Oscar nominations. Now, I don't really want to go into, like, the films themselves, because I still need to watch half of them. Sure. But Oscar nominations came out, I believe it was Tuesday. So, Black Panther. Yeah. Controversial opinion. Okay, hot take. And I don't think it's a surprise to anyone that listened to my spiel last week, or just right now. Into the Spider-Verse should have gotten a nomination ahead of Black Panther. Yeah, like, that's actually not... You're not alone in that hot take. The amount of people I've seen online where their hot take was, you know, it's cool. It's the first comic book film that's been nominated for Best Picture, but it wasn't even the best comic book film last year. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's a general hot take. But I think every time Oscar nominations happen, I feel like I give the shame, same spiel to people over and over again. And it's something... I. A lot of people, when you talk about Best Picture, they're assuming that it's actually somehow, when people vote on it, they are objectively looking at all the films in question and going, no, this is the Best Picture of the Year. And they're not always right. It's a popularity contest. This right. is this is the Hollywood equivalent of prom. You have a bunch of people throwing billboards up saying, hey, vote for me. Right. And it becomes a weird popularity contest with parties where you have to schmooze, you have to get all your ads out there. And it's like there was an interesting thing that came out in Hollywood Reporter where only 20% of Americans can name like the best picture winner from the year prior or like the year prior to that 
last year, Shape of Water. I had to think about it for a couple of minutes when yeah. I first read that report. And then the that was a big surprise too. People keep getting it mixed up because they keep going, "Oh, it's La La Land" when it is Moonlight because yeah. of that whole mix-up. But my thing, especially with it being prom, it's like don't don't freak out if you think your favorite actor got snubbed from a nomination or if you think your favorite film got snubbed. Everything is going to get snubbed at some point. Every person is going to get snubbed at some point. Again, it kind of... The Academy Award is like a trivia. Like It's a bit of trivia. In five years, it's going to be at your bar trivia. What was the Best Picture winner in 2019? And except for that brief period of time around the winner being announced, no one cares. Right. I mean... Anyone who works in the industry, myself included, has probably given a fake speech in the shower multiple times. My shampoo is actually specifically chosen to be the roughly the same size as the Oscar statue. But it's it's still it's a popularity contest. Right. Don't freak out about it because if I uh, say Alfred Hitchcock, you immediately can picture Alfred Hitchcock films, and they are probably Psycho, Vertigo, Birds, stuff like that. I bet most people don't think of Rebecca, which is the only Alfred Hitchcock film to have won the Best Picture Award. Right. I'd like to thank the Academy for this shampoo bottle. Oh, it's heavy. Yeah, it's, you know what? All my hopes and dreams are in this bottle. <laughs> thank you, James, for the prop comedy. <laughs> but, uh, no, but that's, I, I, that's totally, my thing. I totally agree with you. And the thing that I point out, too, is a lot of the time people are voting for different reasons too. Um, it's not. It doesn't necessarily mean the best film in terms of just watchability and what like you know as a film. A lot of it is a lot of people vote technical of like the best made film or the best you know the best film from a from a technical standpoint or from a you know it, they're voting on different things and different factors. Yeah. Not always just the content of the film itself. Yeah, um, it's the Academy Award is. It's interesting. It's one of those scenes where as much as, yes, it's a popularity contest, I'm not joking about necessarily, like, of course, I would love to say I've written something that wins an Academy Award because it's the goddamn Academy Award. Right. But at the same time, if you're looking at cultural impact or, like, longevity, it's... Really nothing. It's kind of one of the more meaningless aspects of a film. Like... Look at some of the most the cultural touchstones of American cinema, and you're not necessarily going to find Academy Award winners, except in like the rare circumstance, right? Like, or like, or in, in something like uh, Lord of the Rings: Return of the King, right? Where, where that is, it's a it's a culmination. Award. It was a culmination of like the work of the three films, but also at the same time, that was. Um, I was reading something, it's an older piece, I think it was Vanity Fair, where they had done one of those oral histories of the marketing campaign for the Return of the King Academy Awards. And that was like a $15 million campaign just to go for the Academy Award. And one of the reasons why everyone's like, well, what about Return of the King? The Return of the King is like the exception. It is the exception because it was so big and so monumental at the time it came out that it kind of almost had to win. Right. And again, it, it, it to me it was they it won to pay homage to all the work that all had come the work out. had come for the other two films. So it's but outside of Lord of the Rings, it's not like Star Wars got a nomination. Yeah. 
but Deer Hunter won. That doesn't. It's not a knock on Deer Hunter, right. but if I'm sure, Oz, yeah, it's like right. the films that have been the biggest impact on American culture. If they've won the Academy Award, it wasn't because they won the Academy Award. It was because they impacted American culture and they happened to have won. Right. So, I guess that's my big Oscar spiel that I go through all the time. But it's still like I am planning to watch all of them. This will be the first year where I think I'll actually have watched every. Have you watched Green Book yet? I've not watched Green it's Book fantastic. yet. Fantastic. Um, no, I watched the Oscar. Last weekend, the Oscar film that I saw ended up not getting a nomination for anything because it was it was totally Oscar bait. But I thought it was worth it. It was on the basis of sex. Oh, okay, which, I've heard very good things, which was very good. Felicity Jones is, is amazing. Sure, but who doesn't love uh, some a film about Ruth Bader Ginsburg kicking ass right. when it comes to gender equality? So hey, I loved it for what it was, and it got no nominations. <laughs> And that's that's just the nature of the business. It just things won't get nominated, and sure. other things will. And everyone's going to sit there and be like, "Oh, it was a weak year this year," or "Bohemian Rhapsody." What the hell? Yeah, no. Which which actually is my hot take on Bohemian Rhapsody. What the hell? Yeah, I, I enjoyed I, Bohemian Rhapsody. But I think wh- the cha- I think it? it's I think it's a bad movie, and the the amazing music of Queen saves that movie. Yeah, my thing is it's fun because of the music. Everything else around it is it's it's, a, it's, it's not your, a great it's your proto- movie. It's your prototypical biopic movie that like Hallmark could have made, and then you just spend the rest of your million dollar budget on Queen music. Yeah, and then like there you go. It was, it was fun. I enjoyed it for what it was, but sure. like, an Academy Award nominee, it is not. No, actually, that's not true. It is an Academy Award nominee, but why? No, it's an Academy. Rami Malek deserves an Academy Award nominee for his acting performance yeah that's the only thing that's it award worthy that's it it's like full stop it's like when you it's like suicide squad is an academy award winner because it won an award for costume design yeah can't knock academy award winning film suicide squad okay (laughs) that's fine no no we can totally knock academy award winning film suicide squad what it won for what movie's costume design yeah yeah that movie's Actually, that might have been the only good thing. <laughs> you know what's funny too is like that movie gets a lot of shit. The first half hour of that movie, if you just watch before, like up until the point where they get on the plane, it's actually not a bad movie. It's actually really good. And then it just goes. And then to it goes like to absolute sh- garbage. Then then it just loses all sense of itself, and you're like, all right, I'm lost. But the first half hour actually isn't bad. Yeah. I'll stand by that. I'll stand by the first half hour in the theater. I was totally in. Yeah, I was on so, board. So we're some sort of Suicide Squad, huh? Yeah. Oh my god, I was totally in. And they get on that. They get on that plane, and they ride off into the sunset. And like, and then the movie ends. The movie ends. That's all it is. <laughs> Everything else after that, it's like a fever dream. I have, I have no idea what happened. I remember watching it. Like the first time I watched it, I was like, "What the hell." Did, what is going on? It was just yeah. Uh, like you're right. It's like a fever dream. In Dude, the rest form. of that movie, it's so weird because the to- the tone of that movie from the point they get on the plane and leave to go to the city and like do actually start the action sequences, the tone of that movie is completely different. Yeah, it's yeah. I think that one was a case of studio meddling. Yeah, that was well. The, well, the remember the rumor was that they retooled the film after that first trailer Because that first hit. trailer, everyone was like, oh my god, this trailer is amazing. And everyone's like, that's not what the movie's about. Yeah. 
That's so, not what the rest of the movie's like. And, and so they like, cut fix the, it. Yeah, they cut the film to match the trailer, yeah. and <laughs> then you get a fever dream. Yeah, and you get that. Oh, but a hot mess. Enough about Academy Award-winning film Suicide right. Squad. Uh, so here's an interesting like film theater theater geek aspect okay. of stuff. Movie ticket sales in the United States increased 5.5 percent from 2017 to 2018. Okay, and the thank only you, reason thank you Disney. Yeah, yeah, probably thank you Disney. My thing, I always feel like you need to explain because there's always you're gonna always see headlines about how the theater industry is doomed. Sure. Like, oh my god, it's in decline. Oh my god, it's going down. Oh, it dropped 20 percent from like. This time, 10 years ago. Right. If you actually chart out attendance over like a 25-year period, attendance in the United States peaked in 2002. Mm -hmm. We're still doing better than like 1989. Right. We're still doing better than like 1994. Right. So when everyone is like, the industry is doomed, they are not looking at the full picture because... Because that's not how our society yeah. works. So first off, it's a good thing that it is increased. There was also, we got some clues that this might happen stateside because ticket sales increased also in France and the United Kingdom. Sure. So I guess because I know you and I both have spent way too much time doing like box office analysis. My <laughs> whole thing has been for a while that the biggest problem theaters face ha- is twofold. And that is... One, you can't program around the biggest film every single weekend because if it's a flop, then you've wasted a bunch of screens. Right. But also at the same time that you need to be willing to treat it more like an independent bookstore. Sure. I could see that. Like, I mean, this is the argument that we had in Arclight. Yeah. This, it's rehash an argument we literally had when we worked at a movie theater with management. You need to be theaters... We made and, our manager cry over this we argument. actually did make our manager cry over this. What you need to do... if you're Not proud of that, just saying. I'm slightly proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> slightly proud of it. Um, it's that... Because what happened is... But bookstores, yeah, like, borders went down. And, like, Barnes & Noble has been, like, barely hanging on. Right. But we've seen this resurgence of independent bookstores in the United States. And in the UK, there were some of the bigger chains have survived. Because what they did is instead of trying to be, like, every time you walk into a movie theater, it's exactly the same. Or in this case, bookstores. They would try to cater it to the neighborhood and be like, you sure. know what? We've noticed here this tends to perform better. Or this book would do really well. And it's like... What we were hearing out of the UK, if you looked at the analysis there, was it seemed like theaters were being, they were playing around with how they did stuff. Like they did more, oh, hey, you can buy like cheaper tickets on certain days, or they would do like family deals. Like they were, they were starting to experiment with how they would deal with exhibition. So it wasn't just pack everything into the opening weekend. Like movie pass. Like movie pass. (laughs) There's, we can go. By the way, Movie Pass is is a hot mess. Yeah, yeah. So Variety had a bit on Movie Pass, and so a lot of people in this news broke like attendance was up five percent. They were like Movie Pass. It it may have been Movie Pass. It may have been Movie Pass. I think it's something else. But continue. Yeah, it's we'll actually have to go in more depth than Movie Pass. But it's I think what we're what it is is as long as like the film content is interesting attendance will go up right and also at the same time what the real problem is for the theaters is if everyone is going opening weekend when 
the amount of money you have to give the studios is higher, right? that's going to hurt your bottom line. So no, as much definitely. as everyone's like, oh, the theaters are doomed, it's like, no, it's just everything is changing in how we consume entertainment. So theaters are going to just have to adjust. The right. multiplex system might not work in the future, but everyone, well, every time those articles are doom and gloom, it's just they're intentionally ignoring the facts that things are still, compared to like 30 years ago, things are pretty damn awesome in terms of attendance. Right. But movie pass. I mean, so <laughs> movie pass. So you haven't you haven't watched the Fire Festival documentaries, right? Mm-mm. Uh, this seems like it's hitting that level. Um, oh, it's been hitting that level since July. Like it, it's bad. Um, no, they have you seen that college humor sketch they did? Yes, I did see the college humor. Sketch. Oh my god! You have to remember, I also was a Movie Pass customer for almost a year. Because I had are you still Pass. getting are you still getting those emails of like, hey, do you want to you want to buy insurance? Here, hey, do you want to buy do you want to buy tires? Yeah. So here's here's my brilliant method on Movie Pass because what they they do some scummy stuff when you would try to cancel. Yeah. Like you would cancel. And then they're like, we've changed the terms of service. So you have to go in, accept the terms of service, and cancel again. Otherwise, they were going to charge you. It was, yeah. we, it was, maybe it was legal, but it was definitely unethical. But what happened is I happened to have changed bank accounts when all of that stuff happened. Oh. And I just never updated my card info. There you go. So, so they, they kept being like, hey. So I still get the emails going, we miss you. Come back. We miss you, Logan. We need your money. Come, have Logan. You seen, have you seen? Have you seen the thing now? There's, they've sold. I think they've sold their email list because they're like, it's like you get an email every once in a while. And it's like, hey, we're Movie Pass. Do you want to buy tires? <laughs> no, like <laughs> and it's like what? And then it's like, hey, do you want to? Do you want to? Do you want to buy my gasoline fuel? Like what? Like some of the cross promotion emails I've seen for Movie Pass are just. Like, why is this, like, I have you as a movie service, why are you advertising this? Yeah, well, that's that's how, that's what happens when you sell your soul. Yeah, it's, MoviePass from get-go was an idea where they never figured out the money bit. No, they tried, they were like, they were like, hey, we're going to do this thing. We're strong-arm the theater companies. Yeah, like their entire thought was, <laughs> we're going to increase theater attendance so much that all the theaters are going to come to us groveling to partner with us yeah. to increase attendance, and they'll give us like a cut of the concession and sales. Then and then they were like, a- introducing AMC, AMC Stubbs. <laughs> which, by the way, is freaking awesome. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. I go see movies like almost every Tuesday. Yeah. Speaking of which, we're gonna go, I'm going to go see the Broly movie on, on Tuesday. For oh, yeah? Film. Yeah. <laughs> But it's like that was my whole thing when they introduced like the AMC equivalent. Yeah. I'm like, all MoviePass did was prove that this was viable for AMC to do it, and they are still burning through money because until they got some form of partnership, they were literally spending borrowed money to buy people movie tickets. Yeah. Which I will say, not not the right thing to do, but a very common thing within tech companies. Yeah, they they did the tech company idea of increase your subscriber base yeah to a certain point where you're an amount of people who are subscribers or a part of your you system become valuable where you're valuable and then you can sell ads the problem is they didn't think oh hey we can't really sell ad- like we can kind of sell ads but if we are charging 10 bucks a month for a service where the average movie ticket in say someplace like la matinee is often like 10 bucks 
That means every time someone bought a ticket with MoviePass, after their initial ticket was an additional... T- like, there was no way that the marketing revenue they were going to get off of me, where I was going, like, every weekend, yeah. would ever have met, no, like, I, the cost of me. I think at some point, too, you kind of hope that, like, some of your subscribers not fall off, but or do the Netflix thing where it's like, oh, yeah, I forgot I'm subscribed to that. Yeah, it was... Um, I called it like the gym membership method. Yeah. Where you're hoping that these people are like, you know, I need to see more movies. I'm going to sign up for Movie Pass. It's only 10 bucks a month. And then they completely forget about it and never go. So it's basically like the whale in like um, the really bad phone games where it's like, oh, this person is giving us a ton of money, but it pays for all the other people. Yeah. But it's, it never happened. And the reason why I was basically in, I, I've, Sadly, written about this. The reason why I said it basically proved it to AMC was because of how MoviePass worked, it was a MasterCard. And so all AMC had to do was sit there and be like, was there an increase in MasterCard usage at our theaters in terms of ticket purchases between the start of MoviePass and now? And then we need to look. Was there a correlating increase in MasterCard at the concession stand? No, but was there an increase in sales at the concession stand? If yes, that increase was probably due to MoviePass users. And they would be like, hmm, we've noticed, like, they all they'd have to do is sit there and do the math and be like, how much more concessions do we think these people bought because of MoviePass? Oh, we can launch our own service at 20 bucks yeah. a month and we will make money off it. And that's what they did. And they're probably making money off it. Yeah. And MoviePass... I thought it was gone. I, it wasn't until like a variety piece came out where they're like, Movie Pass is trying to reboot with new services and new packages. And I'm just like, this scene isn't dead yet. It will be. It will be. It's got to be dead. I mean, it's, it's pretty much dead now. Yeah, because I mean. here is the ultimate theme with Movie Pass is what it became in August isn't really that bad of a deal. If you think about it right. purely, where it's like, you can go see, we have a rotating list of movies that you can go see, one of, per day, unlimited, but it's only one of those six films. And you would block out, say, the, you know, the big, like the did with, uh, with Mission Impossible Fallout, you block out some of the bigger films, you might even partner with the studios to be like, hey, we will like push people to attend your movie, or hey, we won't. We won't advertise this one movie just because, you know, you can work with the theaters and all to make it work. It's not that bad of a package if that was the package they started with. If they had started with this package of, hey, you're only limited to X number of movies a month and we have a rotating list of what movies you can see, that would have been fine. I probably would have signed up for that deal and been like, hey, you know what? Might as well. But when it starts out with, yeah. I can see a movie a day, there's no limit other than I can't go to IMAX or yeah. the 3D. You and, can't, like, scale back. You need yeah, to, like, you can ramp they, up, yeah. but you can't scale the back. The moment they scaled back, it went from being, hey, this is a really convenient service, to a pain in the ass. Because yeah. you would have to sit there and go, hey, can I go see the movie I want to go see? Nope. Well, I guess I'm not seeing a movie today. Right. And I had, like, Kelly and Charles signed up for it at one point. And they, Kelly was like, yeah, we basically were hanging on until it became inconvenient. And that point of inconvenience was literally, can we go see the movie we want to go see when we go to the theater? When they couldn't, they're like, well, they pulled out their phones, they canceled on MoviePass, and they bought the tickets with their their card, and they 
yeah. just canceled their subscription. My sister was the same way. The moment I got a surge charge, I was like, yeah, I'm not doing this again. And I switched to AMC's program. Yeah. Plus with AMC's program, I can buy my tickets in advance on my phone and I don't have to do the whole sun and dance that was really the most pain in the ass part also, of movie pass. You get you get that cool VIP line. I get that cool VIP line. I can skip all the poor schlebs who are the plebeians in the normal line. Dude, it's funny we've done it a couple of times and like Jen, Jenny always laughs that like why are people giving us the side eye when we stand in this line? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> because we get a cut. I was like, yeah, we get to cut them. Caitlin oh. You pay for this. Yeah. The one time I went to a movie with my sister and Caitlin was like, wait, why are you going to this one? I'm like, we're special. She's like, oh, that's right. We get a cut. <laughs> she, was, she was a little, she was a little happy. But yeah, no, it's, I, I literally see movie passing the news again. It's just like, I thought we were done beating this dead horse, but no, the, dead horse the dead is, horse is, it's not dead yet. I mean, it's rotting. Yeah. It's still alive, but it's got gangrene. Yeah, someone needs to, some, yeah, someone needs to put it out of its misery. But yeah, the only other thing I have, I I shared it with you on the note. I don't know if you've looked at it yet. There was a, the Shiznit yeah. posters. So there was this um, this website shiznit.co.uk. I'll have a link in the show notes when we have show notes. <laughs> um, where they basically t- um it was if the 2019 Oscar movie posters told the real story and some of them were hilarious, like A Star is Born was they should have nominated the Ask Jean song for best song. Um, Fuck the Queen for favorite. Oh, where is this other one? First Man was Needs More Flags. How will everyone know America is great? Right. Because of the whole flag controversy there. It was just it's just a fun thing to look at. So we'll, we'll be sure to include a link to that. And then another thing I had found over the course was this website, Tableau, someone had basically created charts showing the most popular genre of movies from basically 1910 through the present. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting because you can see, like, Westerns, big, and then 1970 happens, and then it's, like, nothing. Yeah. It's like, half of all films in Hollywood at some point were Westerns. And then... There are a lot of fucking yeah, Westerns. Yeah. Then 1965 happened, and everyone's like, wait, why are we going to see these old-timey movies when we can go see Bonnie and Clyde, and then the Western died? It's actually it's really interesting to go look at, just because you can see how things ebb and flow, but there are some things that have been constant, and other things where you're just like, they just die. And the two things I noted that died were musicals and Westerns. Well, musicals are making a comeback. Well, I don't. I wouldn't say they're making a comeback because musicals in ye olden times were like ten percent of movies being made in Hollywood were like musicals. Now it's like the musical is like an event. It's like three movies a year on a musical. That's true. So it, it, they they're in a comeback in the sense that more are being made. But when more is more than zero, it's not that much of a comeback. Yeah, I mean it's just like. I mean, at this point, you just need to, like, lock Lin-Manuel Miranda in a room and just, like, let him go, right? Just let like, him just go. Just let him go. He'll pump, he'll pump out, like, six a year if you, need, if you need him to. Yeah. But speaking of let it go, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Frozen music, how do you think that would go? Would you? Would that increase your interest in Fr- Frozen Two if all of a sudden Lin Manuel Miranda was the guy who wrote the music? 
Yes, but I, ha- I also have a three-year-old daughter. That yeah, you were going anyway. Yeah. But now it's just slightly more yeah, interesting. I, I guess so. <laughs> All right, let's move on to TV. We haven't moved on yet? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, oh, my God. why? We- I was like, wait, we were on that topic for so long. Okay, continue. Yeah, we were. We were on that topic forever. Um, so, in streaming news... Guess who's launching a streaming service as well this year? Who else? NBC Universal. Oh, wow. What so a surprise. We have, a, we have Apple, NBC Universal, Warner Brothers is also rumored to be working on one. Three new streaming services this year on top of Disney Plus. That's four streaming services this year that are known or rumored to be launching. <laughs> Why does Warner Brothers have one? Am I going to be able to watch backlog episodes of The OC and Charmed? Like, what? <laughs> Let's... Because here's... Here's my whole thing. Real talk, though, Charmed is actually dope. So don't fall I've never... Charmed. Never actually watched it. Really? Charmed is dope. Well, I like Charmed. I mean, I, I watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so I watched Charm-adjacent programming. Oh, okay, yeah. So, like, but, uh, I used to... My mom was super into Charmed, so when I was little, I used to watch it with her, so I got super into Charmed. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah, charms good. No judge. Um, no, new one kind of dark. What? New one's kind of dark. I've heard that. Yeah. Um, but Not as much sisterly love there. <laughs> I guess here's my whole thing. And studios, I know you're not watching, but if you are watching, my biggest problem there, they're totally not watching. Um, <laughs> my here's my thing, especially with like the ABCs, the NBCs, and the CBSs of the world. I don't have a problem with them creating a streaming service. I do have a problem when your streaming service is literally what I can get over the air for free. Just make a streaming service that's free. Like if CBS was a free service, right. where yeah, you can have like a premium thing on top of it, like make Star Trek a premium thing. Sure, go ahead, but. When it's the programming you are including is Big Bang Theory, which you can already get over the air for free. And is a piece of garbage. And is definitely a piece of garbage. Like, Is Two Broke Girls on there, too? I think it got canceled. Are they doing backlogged episodes of Two Broke Girls there on there? There are probably backlog episodes of oh. Two Broke Girls. But just, you're the, you're the broadcast networks. Treat that as your mantra going into streaming. Be free. Have ads up the wazoo, but be free because, you know, that's your only way to market penetration. You aren't the necessarily <laughs> the, the best. Like, look at it. You've been eaten away by streaming. You've been eaten away by the fact that cable network programming has been way better than your guys' shit. The only way I, you can, like, be relevant in this streaming world is to just put it out there and let it be free. Like yeah. I think I think that would solve half of their problems because yeah you can be you can be happy with your CBS All Access membership being like one to two million, but when you are bringing in like ten million plus people viewers yeah. live on a regular basis, having two million subscribers isn't going to be sustainable when everyone is slowly moving over to streaming. I think I think a model to look at would be Hulu. Yeah, when Hulu was free. Right, where, like, you have a week or two to watch an episode, and then if you don't, it goes into a backlog that you can pay for, mm-hmm. and then they also have premium content that you can also pay for. Exactly. Right? Like, there's just the way that they're doing it, right? Like, if they're, I think that's a viable model for them, where, like, hey, if I missed a show, I can go ahead and watch it. And yeah. And then, like, 
if I'm late on it, then shit, that's that's, too, on, that's me. on me. Like, that's and you know what? If that's what CBS All Access and whatever NBC Universal scene is and whatever like Disney does with ABC and whatever new Fox Oh, you know that ABC Fox, thing is going to be hella paid for. I think honestly, I think it's going to just be integrated into Hulu. I think that's Disney's plan. I don't know, man. Disney 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 knows how to print money. Yeah. I mean, they they got to open another mint somewhere, right? Yeah. But like that's what I would want and I think that's honestly the only way that they're going to be relevant in this world of Netflix and HBO and everyone having a streaming service is to not be one of the paid for streaming services or make the paid for thing unlock like backlog or older episodes or have a more expensive tier that is ad free or lock premium content behind it. it. Be creative with it. Don't sit there and be like Hey, for six bucks a month, you can get the same shit you can get over broadcast. Yeah, no. it, it's it's not going to work because all it's going to do is it means I might spend twelve dollars on rabbit ears. Yeah, I have I have faith. I'm uh, there's people smarter than me that are working on this. Stuff. Yeah, I, I I hope they figure it out, but you know, there's also a part of me that's afraid that they won't. Yeah, because whatever man, it, it's gonna it's gonna be one of those scenes where someone's gonna be like, well. Why would we put it for free when we can charge? It's like that's that's not the point. Yeah, that's not the point. It's it's like foot it's in the door, audience people. numbers. Foot in the door. Put your foot in the door, and again, like the amount of ads on television are atrocious. You might want to rethink the number of ads, but you're gonna have to just make it free and include ads, and you'll basically be making the same amount of money. I'd argue. Sure. With this new environment, but yeah. So NBC Universal streaming service and i am already like i'm already like ready to tap out years ago i was like yeah i want my own standalone where i can pick which channel i want and now i'm just like please can everyone just stop right i'm tired but anyway more stuff so did you see that netflix has raised their prices again i did see that so they're now on par. I think their premium 4K, more, most screens you can watch, is the same price as HBO. Right, it is. So I don't, I don't know how I necessarily feel about that because the content coming. strategies are I different. I saw it coming. It kind of fits into the same thing with the streaming thing that we were just talking about of like, if you give us, con- like, if you give us the content worthy of that price then yeah sure yeah for it if it helps you produce more high quality content sure go for it yeah i just it's a i wonder how much of this is netflix prepping for the inevitable their entire catalog is stuff they've produced right because (laughs) that that's that's going to be the end game for netflix the end game for netflix especially with nbc and everybody having their own streaming service is eventually a lot of popular shows on Netflix will no longer be on Netflix. Right. They're just going to be on whoever's streaming service owned the rights to that content. Right. Which is why and why Netflix is paying for content with debt. It's because they know they can't only have like three shows and a fancy interface and sell it for 15 bucks a month. Also, their interface is not that fancy anymore. No, it's actually kind of trash yeah it's i yeah because i used to feel like i could find more stuff yeah also they don't suggest as much things as many things you have to go yeah. find them which kind of defeats the purpose of me just kind of randomly putting something on if yeah I, like you don't discover on netflix anymore you go you go to netflix for something yeah you're going specifically for something yeah. and then you just hope 
because like it, dude the best part about youtube is when you get on the weird part of youtube because you click the suggested thing on the side and you end up on like somewhere where you're like how did i get here but you're like you find something cool like marble olympics have you ever watched those yes to get go totally off topic totally I think, like, a new season is probably going to be coming out soon. We're going to have to follow that. Dude, if you found us on the weird part of the internet, congratulations. Welcome. Hi. Now go watch something else. <laughs> probably You probably owe it to yourself to watch something else. Or you probably have already switched. Go watch Marble Olympics. Um, yeah. So, Netflix, it's... is a thing. But let's let's move on because there's more Netflix stuff. But oh, let's God. switch to games. There's more Netflix stuff. Jeez, yeah, how much Netflix? One more bit of Netflix scenes. Netflix broke out some of their like viewing information, and we're like, we think we're on ten percent of all screens. But the thing that caught my attention and caught a lot of other people's attention was their note that they don't really view HBO or even Disney Plus that's coming out soon as the real competitor because they said their biggest competitor is Fortnite. Because their whole thing is, they are not looking at it as who is which content creators of like film and television is their biggest competitor. They're looking at screen share in general, and they say Fortnite is a bigger Twitch, competitor. I don't think Twitch is a bigger competitor than Fortnite. They're talking literally about people playing Fortnite. I know, but I would think that Twitch as a platform would be more of a competitor than Fortnite. Yeah, it just I saw that and I just was kind of like, huh, I never thought of it that way though, where of including a video game in like the metric of I mean it's all time, right? It's yeah. all it's all how do you spend your time and how do you spend your 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 day and like yeah. you know, how do you spend your screen time, right? So it's like for people like us, we have a lot of screen time. Yeah. Um and the thing is like I I know this it's this way for me and probably for you too of like if I'm playing something or I'm doing I'm never watching one screen. Right. I have multiple screens going. Um so I don't think Fortnite per se is a uh, it is a competitor in a certain way, but like I guess we're a sort of small demographic of like hey, if I'm playing a game, if I'm playing Fortnite, I'm also probably watching something on yeah. my other screen, right? Like there isn't a time where I'm just focused. Like, it has to be something pretty serious for me to be focusing on just a game. Um, whether it's something like story-based, like Mass Effect, or something competitive, or something, you know, Fortnite, I'm just kind of messing around with my yeah. friends or doing whatever, right? Like, it's not a big deal. Um, but I can see that. I can see that as a as a concern uh, of theirs. I think Fortnite kind of disrupted the entire entertainment industry. Yeah, um, it caught everyone off guard. Because I remember first hearing about Fortnite... I think the first time I saw anything of it, they like did a demo was at, it at like, E3. Was it the one where they were building walls? It was like the single player mode, right? Yeah, yeah. except mine wasn't E3. I think they did a demo at like one of the WWDCs at Apple. Mm-hmm. Like, look at what you can do with metal on whatever. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, whatever. This game looks weird. And then they're like, oh, it's doing its own PUBG type mode. Okay. And then all of a sudden, it was the thing. I'm like, wait, did I blink and yeah, literally miss it? Yeah, that's basically what happened. So, like, the pivot there was absolutely incredible. Apparently, like, 20% of their team were just like, hey, PUBG's real popular. Let's, let's work on this thing really quick. And it worked. And they were like, this is kind of fun. And they put it out there. And then slowly but sure, like, not slowly but surely, instantaneously were like, hey, the other 80% of our team working on this other stuff is now shifting over to Battle Royale because like, yeah. this is this is where, it, where this our is money the thing. is. Right. Um, and now it's sort of interesting to see 
the rest of the industry follow with like the to me the season pass model is the most brilliant thing they did um because microtransactions and like skins stuff like that is sort of standard fare yeah i would say at this point the season pass model i know you're not a big fortnite person like have you played fortnite at all i have it's downloaded to my computer well we got a high from La step gaming hi <laughs> someone's watching chris oh wow look at that um, uh, i'm sure they've gone away by now so like the like the interesting thing the interesting thing about fortnite from like an industry standpoint is like how much so season pass basically works where there's two tiers there's a free one there's a free one and a paid one right so throughout a season, which is usually I think for Fortnite's four, three or four months, I think it's three months, right? Yeah. So every three months, you level up your account through XP that you play that you you get while playing, right? It doesn't affect gameplay at all. It's all just sort of aesthetic, right? Yeah. So by finishing missions and doing certain challenges or doing whatever, you earn XP that levels up your character, and you earn levels on this pass, right? Um, so I think the pass goes up to fifty. And so on different tiers, you get different stuff. So like on the free one, tier, the, the rewards are kind of shitty. You're not really earning too many skins. Like I think throughout the whole 50 levels you go through, I think you earn like, I don't know, maybe one skin, maybe a couple like emotes, things like that, right? Not too much. When you pay for it, it's 10 bucks a month. Wait, it's 10, 10 Isn't bucks, it 10 bucks a season? 10 bucks a season, sorry. And so then you unlock the season tier where now you're unlocking crazy stuff at like you you're unlocking skins and like different aesthetic items like every level you're getting something like yeah. kind of big. And then if you play through all the way, you level all the way to 50, you earn enough V-bucks or enough virtual currency to buy the next season pass. Yeah, it's I remember I think it was Polygon did a piece months ago and they're like this is microtransactions done right. Right. Where you feel like you actually gain something from the microtransaction, but at the same time, it doesn't it. impact like the gameplay. Like this isn't a pay-to-win type scenario. Right. You're not unlocking something that's going to make you like the Uber right. guy on the map. And you're you're going to be just as good as you were without the season. Right. Pass. And the thing is, like again, it's it's giving you something to strive for, something to earn. Right. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing to me is like. Like League of Legends, is, League of Legends and Dota both had that same model of like purely aesthetic, right? Yeah. Um, and most most good games, like Overwatch, does it. Like any game worth it, worth your time, isn't pay to win, right? Um, the only game that I can kind of think of is Hearthstone, but again, for a card game, you expect those levels. Yeah, that's of how card games yeah. work. Card games work like that. Like yeah. it's not. That's it's, literally a digital equivalent yeah. to how the card game would it's work. Not, if it was real. It's not anything egregious. Like that's just yeah. how a card game functions, right? Like it's not. I don't blame Hearthstone at all for its microtransactions. Like, I'm fine with paying for packs of cards. Like, yeah. that's fine. It's no different than go, instead of going to the store, you're literally just, just doing it on your phone. Right. It's not a big deal. Um, the League of Legends thing is interesting because uh, basically what it is, what they did was you have, League of Legends has always done events, right? So for their holiday season. So for Worlds, they did an event. Uh, that led in, like, I think their their event went from Halloween, it covered Halloween, Thanksgiving, Worlds, it covered, like, I think the and Dece- like the beginning of December, right? So that was, like, the whole event that they did for Worlds, right? Um, and it covered a whole bunch of stuff. And basically what they did was every week there's five missions 
they give you tokens. Yeah. And then you can buy like skins or chromas, which are different colors for the skins, things like that, right? Icons, things like that. Um, and your top prize was a prestige version, like a very rare version of a, of a skin. So for that one, it was prestige KDA Kaisa, which I play Kaisa. I like the KDA stuff. So, of course, I want that skin. So, the right? KDA stuff was... Right. So, like, of course, I want that skin. So, what they did was, you can't get it purely for missions. The missions, I think, give you... If you complete all of the missions, I think you get something around 1,000 or 1,500 tokens. The skin was 2,500 or 2,500. So, you need an extra 1,000. So, basically, what it did was, you could buy a world pass or an event pass, uh, and you would get tokens for every game you played you get more or less depending on what game mode uh whether you won or lost how you performed etc right yeah and you would get tokens toward whatever you wanted right so i think it's 12 bucks for that event pass so again kind of the same thing we yeah. just earn your it's you're not paying for something in particular you're paying for bonuses to help you earn stuff not quicker but just earn things uh, that you wouldn't normally be able to earn. Yeah, and that's the thing I I've taken from like everyone talking about how Fortnite does it right, right. was the idea that if you're the kind of person who's only playing Fortnite like once a week for maybe an hour, it's probably not worth it for you to get this pass. Right. But if you're playing it a lot, it is worthwhile for you to get the pass. Yes, absolutely. And that's the thing is it's worthwhile. And right. how many and other games it, where it's like again, it's not. It's it's the same thing of like if I'm putting that much time into it where it is worth it, I want to give the developers something like yeah. to, as a thank you, right? Like you want to go ahead and say, hey, thank you for all this stuff. Continue to do this. I'm going to support you. Here's my money. So and then you're doing that while also getting something. In, in the return. Verge reported that it's estimated that last year Fortnite made $2.4 billion. Yeah. Not surprising. Yeah. And I think that's why everyone has been paying more attention to how they handle the microtransactions. Because if... Because remember, look at Battlefront 2, how everyone freaked out about how EA handled microtransactions because right. EA didn't do a good job with their microtransactions. Right. And then look at the flip side of how Fortnite handled it and how everyone's like, this is good. So <laughs> I actually, looking back on it now, I don't have a problem with EA's use of microtransactions in Battlefront 2. I have a problem with the use of or like in with the progression speed yes at which uh the advantage was given towards those microtransactions yeah that makes sense so like if hey if i'm going to if it'll take me eight hours like a full day of work to unlock something and get to the point where like i can be competitive and be fine great fine like to me it's like it if I if it's ten dollars, right? If I'm making ten dollars an hour, and it takes me an hour to unlock something, perfectly fine. I'll pay the ten dollars if I want to. If I don't want to spend the time, or I'll work the you know it's like a yeah. job, right? I'll work the hour to get this thing that I want. Not a big deal. The problem was that it was so egregious. Sl- the the progression was so egregiously slow. Like they did the math, where it's like to get unlock Luke, it was what sixty hours. Yeah, or you can pay the twenty dollars or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, it was. It's egregious. Like, just no, that's not how that functions. Yeah, it was. But you know what I mean? Like, if if it's fair, if it's if, and it, it comes down to a game respecting my time. Yes. Right. 
Um, and like, if it respects my time, I'm fine with someone paying for it to get ahead because I can just put in the time because I understand that like I don't want to pay that, but I can earn and get to that point. Yeah, right? exactly. But if it feels like I don't think I. I finally broke down and bought Battlefront 2 and I don't think I'm ever going to get hit 60 hours. No. But, and that's the thing is, is like, unless you are willing to put in an egregious amount of time to get something, it's like, just... Yeah, like my NBA 2K thing. Yeah. Like, you have to respect the user's time. But speaking of EA and Star Wars, uh, Kotaku broke that EA had, has finally killed fully yeah. the visceral, open world, first person, story so, driven Star Wars game. Spoilers. Uh... At the Game Awards, I already knew that happened. So oh. I talked to some people at Game Awards. I'm not going to name names, but I did. See, I I saw on a phone some footage from that game, and I saw and then they told me that it was most likely like ninety percent going to be canceled. And like after see, I I told them afterwards too. I was like, I wish you didn't show me that on your phone because. It looked so cool. <laughs> oh, God. It was it was Star Wars Uncharted, like, and it was from what I could tell pretty far along. Um, I was so wanting that game. Yeah, and and it's it's I think an important game. I think it was something that was going to be huge. Uh, it's sad. Uh, I'm curious, and I'm actually kind of happy now thinking. Thinking big picture and with hindsight, I think it's going to be the best thing possible for the Star Wars brand and the industry that that game got canceled. Um, so, there, we, EA had a ten-year deal, yeah, with with uh, Lucas Lucasfilm to do Star Wars games. I think we're what seven years into that. And it was from twenty thirteen, so there's. Six years in six years ish years into that, so the thing is that they've had two games in six years. Um, we're gonna have three because I that respawn one is coming yeah, the respawn out. Respawn sure. is coming out this year. Yeah, uh, the Jedi: The Fallen Order. Right? Yeah, that one's coming out this year. Um, so the thing is that's interesting about what's happening is to look at what's happening with Marvel, right? So Marvel is taking sort of the Marvel what what the, they're taking the Kevin Feige approach to things, right? Where it's, hey, we're gonna we don't care about because I think the star I think the Lucasfilms thing, what it sounded like and what it felt like was, hey, we want to make games. What company does games? What oh, company's willing to pay us a lot of money to make the games? Well no, as well. not just that, but like oh, like what company makes games? Oh EA, oh EA, I know that name, and hey, they have a lot of studios. Uh, let's give it to them; they can probably make a ton of games at once, right? And then, right, and then nothing, right? But like, and that's kind of, I think, because because it's a Star Wars license, like everyone's very into what's going on, and like very much into the weeds of like knowing and information about a game, and and like early in the process and things like that. Spoilers: This happens all the time. Like, this isn't anything new in the gaming industry of, like, projects being started up and canceled and, like, no one cares most of the time because it's not Star Wars, right? Like, yeah. no one cares. Uh, but this isn't anything new uh, for this to happen. Like, you, you know, for a game to, for a company to work on a game for, like, two, three years and then get canceled, like, kind of... 
that's something I, I say happens across entertainment. Right. Like it's, it's, ha- just, it just it's happens. Star Wars, so people are paying more attention. Right. Like when the rumors were going with um, Kenobi and uh, Boba Fett. Right. And then it's like, oh, they canceled it. It's like, well, they were never actually greenlit, and that right. happens all the time. Right. I mean, like it's different with these because these were like in full production and like kind yeah. of being steamrolled and like I think. F- kind of rightfully so forced into production kind of maybe early um but still like it i think there has to be a clause in there of like hey if you don't release a certain amount of games by this time like we can cancel the deal and i would be very surprised if this 10-year deal lasted 10 years right yeah so at this point right so like the the I mean, the respawn thing can change everything. Like, if the respawn That's thing true. comes out and like is and amazing, it's amazing, right? Then everyone's thing. gonna then they'll be like, okay, cool, Re- renew the deal, right? Like, but the the idea of Marvel or the the the, the approach Marvel's taking, right? Where it's like, hey, here's uh, Insomniac Spider Man, right? Like, hey, cool, we're gonna do Spider Man Insomniac, you know, uh, exclusive to PS4. Hey, they're doing uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance three exclusive to Switch, right? Made by Ninja Theory, like you know, whatever, like crazy shit, right? Or not Ninja Theory? I forget who's working on it. But point is, like crazy shit, yeah, right. Where you're like, but exclusive crazy stuff. Where you're like, these people genuinely care and they want to make the best game possible for that platform and what they're doing and, and focused, right? It's yeah. not like a cookie cutter, like here's a game, right? And um, that was sort of the approach that. EA was taking, but again, it's all under the branch of EA, and so EA does have different motives and different things, where now, if if you take your license, like if Lucasfilm shopped them around and really looked around the industry of who fits what and who does what, right? Which is basically how LucasArts used to do it, right? No, LucasArts used to do it all internal, which is crazy to think about. I thought that they outsourced some of their stuff. Some of it, but a lot of it was internal. Like a lot of their, in, like a lot of their great Star Wars stuff was internal. Um, the only the only thing that I would say is like, it depends on how willing they would be. To, like, because doing that's such an involved process. Yeah. And I'm curious to see like the Disney approach, because obviously Disney enjoys what Marvel's doing, right? So like, I, why wouldn't they take that same approach with Star Wars? Star Wars. Yeah. Right. So I think that they signed the deal too early. Or kind of rushed into the deal without really knowing. Yeah, because... Um, and I think the gaming space has changed in the last six years, too. I think, like, doing a deal like that and doing what they're doing would have been fine maybe two, three years ago. Um, not now. Yeah, not, and then... Not now. Also, especially with the Battlefront debacles, it's like the right. entire fan base is now kind of almost like, please don't re-up the license with EA. In fact, I believe it was Gary Whitta who wrote uh, Rogue One... Yeah. One of the people behind the writing process in Rogue One, I don't think he got credited as writer, but he got story no, he's, credit. He's, it says written by Gary Whitta. Yeah. On the I thought he only got story by credit. Anyway, he like wrote like the first draft of the screenplay. Yeah, but he um, he, he also writes a lot of Star Wars stuff and he's yeah. work, he used to work at IGN, that's where I kind of know him from. He apparently tweeted that he wanted EA to lose the license. Yeah. He's been very vocal about it because, again, he's also seen a lot of footage from that game. So he understands more than most people like what that game yeah. could have been. Um, it's it's sad. It's sad. Yeah. But, again, understandable. And, I'm again, in the long run, I think it's going to be the best thing for it. Let's overall. hope you're right. But, man, you just said, oh, it was so good. I wish you had it. Oh, man. I wish that game existed in some form. <laughs> it um, might someday. But Unseen 64, go get on it. Finally, 
as proof of our impact on the world. We talked about how Sony had only opened up Fortnite to cross-platform play because it was Fortnite and it was so big. It has now opened up cross-platform play, or it is in the process of opening up cross-platform play for Rocket League. And I think that is... It's open. I think that is us. It is 100% totally due to us. Yeah talking about it on the show <laughs> one day before they broke that announcement that yeah. it was going cross-platform i mean we called it right we like called it, it, it it's the thing that's interesting is full like, credit to us <laughs> the interesting thing is again like the industry's evolving at this point right like fortnite's changing everything yeah um so like the play anywhere with anyone on anything idea is is sort of been like a pipe dream for a long time yeah and um, now it's no longer a pipe dream it's a right. thing it's a thing and it's working um and it's kind of proving that it, like fortnite proved that if a game gets big enough it can force the will its will onto the onto a company also um, i think it proves that allowing cross-platform play isn't going to kill your platform right and it's going to do nothing but help your platform exactly um so yeah the- i think i think it's great i think it's a good i think it's a good thing um i hope that we see more collaboration in the future uh i mean microsoft had an ad about cross-platform play with nintendo right like obviously some as people in the industry see this as the way moving forward right but yeah it's it's great plus plus we get we have the rumors of minecraft steve and smash brothers i'm like really (laughs) excited i'm like actually really excited about that and doom guy (laughs) Like you're laughing, but like, these are actual. No, no, I'm just sitting here thinking. I'm like, is Smash Brothers gonna just be like every character? Well, that's what they want. Every game. Well, okay, so is the Master Chief so, gonna show up? And so, Smash go, well, going back to to the Game Awards, <laughs> right? Like the idea of Joker from Persona, Persona, Persona Five yeah. going into like that blew my mind. And then when Reggie gets up there, and it's like we're gonna pick, we're gonna, we're getting characters that no one thinks will ever be in Smash Brothers, right? Like that opens the door, right? That opens the floodgates. And then when they data mine DLC, and it, one says Doom and the other one says Steve, <laughs> like there is there is some idea that like this stuff is coming. God, that would be crazy. Like I'm now trying to imagine how would the Master Chief work in Smash? Uh, dude, like the, the, it's it's insanity. It's gonna uh. be insane, and I love it. But no, uh, final thing, because we were talking in the last episode uh, how James and I had, well, James had found his old copy of Carmen Sandiego. Yes. And somewhere, we, we still need to figure out how to make it work, but we were, we were talking, and of course we love your input and input from the people who are totally watching right now. Uh, what other games? Because I have somewhere, not the or- original Oregon Trail, but I have Oregon Trail 2. Okay. On discs, disc somewhere. The forgotten one, because everyone just thinks of Oregon Trail. Yeah. What other game? Like, because James was like, we should like play some older games. Mavis Beacon, Mavis Beacon typing, typing teacher. <laughs> <laughs> like so, like I would love to do Oregon Trail too. I would love to do Carmen San Diego, but like I remember, I remember as a kid, not to be racist, I was like, why is Aunt Jemima teaching me how to type? <laughs> I was I was a kid, man. I don't know. <laughs> this is a black lady talking to me to teach me how to type. <laughs> you were a horrible child. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just I remember eating Aunt Jemima's like 
whatever the pancakes pancake mix. Or pancake mix or whatever i just remember seeing that box all the time and then i remember when i was at school this lady would pop up on the screen and teach me how to type and i was like oh dude aunt jemima's teaching me how to teach you how to type <laughs> uh no is there like what other games do you think we should like bust out for when we i brought this out this? last week and you, it, i know you had your it's, like, it's star, star fox. fox it's star it's it's Not uh star. spy fox spy fox dry cereal. in dry cereal Right, so in that in that game, he's a he's a spy he's a spy fox, and uh, all the world's milk has gone missing, and so it's named in dry cereal. Oh my god! So you had to find the world's supply of milk. So, spoilers: stolen by a cow. He's an evil. He's an evil cow. Evil cow. He's like he has a layer. It's, <laughs> a, it's a it's like a head, cow head with, with horns. So we have spy fox. Oregon Trail 2, Carmen San Diego. Uh like I'm trying to think. I mean like old roller coaster tycoon games, but like those are still so much fun. Um Yeah. I'm trying to think. I think you have don't you have roller coaster tycoon three, James? I mean I know I I have two on Steam. Um Yeah, I had from uh I have somewhere like I'm a big I'm a big tycoon guy. Are you guys tycoon guys? I honestly, this is weird. Is like I never played like Roller Coaster Tycoon three, even though you, that's like the kind like of a, game like I would ty- totally you, play. You seem like you'd be a tycoon guy. And I think I just did Roller Coaster. Right? What other tycoons are there? So like there, like so there was uh, Two Point Hospital. Um. Uh, or not Two Point Hospital. It's I forget what it's called, but it's like you make a hospital, but there's a new version of it called yeah, Two Point Hospital. That is absolutely fantastic. Love it. I played the shit out of that game. You can check out my stream. I streamed that. I streamed that game for over a month, like daily, for like two hours a day. Oh my god, I love that game. Um, that game. That game is so brilliant, dude. So like the it's British, so yeah. it has that British charm. Stuff like uh, you need people coming in with like different illnesses and stuff, right? So they come in with lightheadedness, right? Lightheadedness. So you need a debulbing station, right? So you build the room, and it's a debulbing station, right? So all it is is the people walk in and they're lightheaded, but it's a they have Little they have a light, light bulb, bulb on their head. So they go to the debulbing station. It unscrews the light bulb and puts a head on them, and then they walk out and they're cured, right? <laughs> like uh, there's a there's there's uh, they get mercury poisoning, and they walk in and they have to talk to psychiatrists because they're dressed like Freddie Mercury. Um, like stuff like that, right? Like that's the whole game of just like, but you're managing this hospital, you're managing the staff, you're managing like you know it's a typical sim game or just yeah. like tycoon game. But like, man, that game's hilarious and it's awesome. And we feel so like, uh, people die in your hospital, uh, they become ghosts. So you, you're, so your janitors need to be trained in ghost catching duties. Where so they you have, basically can have like Ghostbusters. Yeah, you in have the to hospital. Have, you have to because otherwise the 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 health officer comes and it's like you're fucking you have ghosts everywhere with ectoplasm like you can't and they, they give you like an F on your health rating and they close down your <laughs> hospital. So you like don't do that. Like you, you need your your janitor needs to have ghost catching abilities. The problem is like later in the game you're stuck with shitty staff they have to train. So I always recommend to people. Your shitty staff is going to kill people. So make sure the first thing you train is that fucking ghost-catching mechanic. Because then if your janitor knows ghost-catching, you can hide your crimes before the health inspector shows up. And you don't have 50 ghosts running around. Because your shitty staff will kill people. I'm telling you. That's where that game gets fucking hard. <laughs> oh, God, no. I 
I, you'll lose so much money. I remember you told me about that game, and I'm just like, it's on my Steam list. It's, it's I'm eventually so going to play it. But like as a kid, because... I know I don't know if we talked about this on the stream, but I know we've talked about it, you and I, where I was my parents were restrictive in what games I could buy and right. I was also on a Mac, which meant I was super restricted on what games I could buy. Right. So I like my games were like SimCity and Civilization. Dude, SimCity. Dude, I have somewhere I think I got on uh SimCity two thousand and three thousand. Ooh, two thousand's a good a good play. Uh, 3000 was my jam. Really? Well, I was super into 2000. Here's the thing with 2000 is they somehow when my parents bought their computer, it came with like the CD of demos. Right. So I played the SimCity 2000 demo to death, but it would only last like 30 minutes. I got good in those 30 minutes. But by the time I finally had like the money saved up to go buy SimCity 2000, 3000 was out. Right. So I bought 3000. So I played that to death as a kid. Dude, so, so get this. And this is also another game we can play. I have a weird, uh, well, I mean, I've kind of shown it here, and you know this, and you both know this. I have weird knowledge and facts about random shit. Yeah. Right? Like, just random stuff, right? Um, So, I think we were watching, uh, I forget what Disney we were watching. I think we were watching Beauty and the Beast the other day. It came on TV. Uh, And I had, like, a weird amount of information about Beauty and the Beast. Uh, just kind of like in my head and then Jenny Jenny was like why do you know so much trivia about Beauty and the Beast and I was like so when we first got our computer it was like what the mid like late mid mid 90s right yeah uh, our computer came with uh, like I think the package my dad bought it was from Gateway right <laughs> and it came in the, you know it came in the it came in the, in the, the, the cow, cow box. box right and so the game the package that it came with came with a game called the D show which is a Disney trivia game. Oh, my God. Right? And so that was the only game that we had on the computer, which is, like, the new thing, right? So, like, I didn't want to play my N64 or whatever because I was like, this is new. Like, I don't know what this is, right? So then the D show was, like... That was your thing. That was the thing. I just sat there and played Disney trivia by myself for, like, hours on end. I knew every answer to that fucking game. And there were three discs on that game. Oh, my so God. So I, I knew every piece of trivia on that. I know so much random stuff about Disneyland from, like, the... <laughs> right? Like, weird stuff. Uh, so, yeah, like, whatever. No, can, I you, had can you a... name the, the, the bus on the Haunted Mansion? Because I can. Not because I, I care. Because I memorized the answers on the fucking thing. I can't tell you which one's which, but whatever. Now, my closest equivalent is there was a program that came with our Mac that I don't remember what it was called. Actually, it was like EA. I think it was actually Electronic Arts back before they were it went completely evil. Sure. It was like EA World Atlas. Okay. I don't know if you, it ever came with like any of that James is taking his head, but it had like quizzes you could take on like geography and like maps. So I knew flags of like <laughs> so many different <laughs> countries to where you could sit there and like pop it up and I'll be like, that's Paraguay. Yeah, that's like Uruguay, fl- and those flags there's like one difference between yeah. the two, and I knew them. Or like the difference between Thailand and uh, there's one more Vietnam, I think, where it's just the fucking stripes. It's the order of the stripes. It's like I think Thailand is like red, blue, white, or some combination of that. And then there's another country that's like, like the Ru- opposite. I think it's Russia. No, no, no it's not, not Russia. Russia. But I was just like, what? Who? What? Okay. Because I remember having to take a... I remember we were trying to learn 
like teacher was trying to learn flag like we were trying to learn flags in class and we were kind of going over flags and teaching i think it was like one of the world history things on like uh when there's an elementary school and so like there's hey like what flag is this like i don't know cambodia i think maybe might be cambodia i think cambodia has um like a Khmer uh archaeological site on their flag i think it's like kuala lumpur or something or <sighs> maybe weird fact though i can draw a map of the united states freehand me too <laughs> Would you, what, what year did you learn that I honestly have been such a geography nerd oh, my okay. entire life. I couldn't tell so, you. Like, so we would do so uh, eighth grade. We were in honors U.S. history with Mr. Jason Mustard, and he's still. I, I have a friend on Facebook. I should mention him about this. So we uh, he would give us a blank map of the United States, and he would test us. So like, you need to draw them. You need to draw the United States. Like here's here's the here's the base. Right. He just he would scratch out all the state lines, and like he was like, <laughs> you need to draw them. And we got so, and he would do it once a week. So like we all, we you needed like in order to do well in this class, like you needed to have some semblance of information of like where these states are, right? <laughs> well, I I think the first, I think up until like from September to December, you just needed to be able to write to name the states, right? Like you just like okay, this is California, this is whatever Wyoming, whatever it is, right? So then, and then when he came back from winter break, he erased all the lines <laughs> and was like, draw them. And so we got so good at it that when we were bored in other classes... You guys would just draw we would, Well, like, I would draw... Like, we would play Name That State, right? So, like, you would draw it. You would draw it, like, not with the rest of the United States. You would just draw the state, like, the shape. And the person would and have the, to and like you, it? And then you, like, you like kind of... And then they... Like, you pass notes back and forth, right? Like, California. Did any... Did you... These notes ever get caught by other teachers? Oh, yeah. And what did they do? The teacher's just like, why are you drawing states? <laughs> and, and I was just like, uh. <laughs> Yeah, no, my problem is I would draw fictional maps. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Like, I would just be, like, bored in class and would just be like... I would just start to doodle, like, this weird map. And then I would start coming up with a history for the map. And I could not tell you what I learned in math that day, but I could tell you the history of... Whatever land I created, dude. Okay, so here we'll, we'll end on this. So this, the funny, funny story. Uh, my senior year, high, my was it senior year? No, my junior year. So my junior year of high school, uh, I went to a science magnet. So everyone's very close knit. Uh, I knew all the teachers. I was involved in student government as well. So like, we had a, we probably had too much freedom and power <laughs> because like again, we're we're. In a, we're in a magnet, so all the teachers are aware of us and know us very, very well because there's like 80 of us, right? Or like 100 of us. Yeah. So they all know us very, very well. They all trust us to a certain extent. Like we were able to order food. Like I would call, I would call, I would go to the bathroom, call for like Chinese food down the street and then hang up. And then I would, the, the office would call my teacher or like I would even ask my teacher, like, hey, do you want Chinese food? And he's like, Chinese food, what? And I was like, do you want Chinese food? <laughs> and he's like, maybe later. And I was like, because like we'd hang out with in their rooms at lunch, right? Because we'd yeah. hang out. So he's like, maybe for lunch. And I was like, okay, cool. So I ordered Chinese food. And then the office would call and be like, hey, can you send Chris to the office? And I was like, yeah, sure. And he's like, Chris, you want to the office? I was like, what for? They're like, uh, he's like, I don't know. So like, I'd walk to the office and I'd walk back with Chinese food, right? And he's like, did you just order Chinese food? I was like, yeah. He goes, when? I was like, when I went to the bathroom. He's like, did you go to the bathroom? I was like, yeah. I called him while I was peeing in the bathroom. <laughs> like, whatever. So, like, 
So just like that's how my high school experience was, right? Like just like it was, you know, real family, real kind of like yeah, a lot of freedom. So uh, it was AP Chemistry. It was my teacher, Mr. McMahon. So Mr. McMahon was like an older guy, real buff, kind of you could tell he worked out, real strong guy. Um, was a Sunday school was like real religious, but a science a science guy. So he wrote a book. I think it was religion and science, like relationship between religion and science. Got published. Good book. I read like half of it, and then I was like, okay, I'm done. But then, uh, but kind of guy like they, he had to stop teaching Sunday school because he would cuss the students, right? Like this is the kind of guy he was, right? So like if you if you fucked up an answer, he would go like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like you know, stuff like that, right? So you just talk, like very comfortable with us, very comfortable. yeah. And he was my homeroom teacher, so like again, very close, very like I had him all four years of my high school career. He was my science teacher. I had him as my homeroom teacher the whole four years, whatever, the whole thing. All right. So in his room, they had those old chemistry uh, – I don't even know what you call them. Like chemistry bars. Yeah, like the like basically, like the little lab stations. Right. Yeah. So you would sit on a stool and yeah, like, yeah, yeah. whatever, right? So uh, – and they had like the the shelving like right you know above it where you'd put the test tube beaker and stuff. Yeah. And like the, the trench in the middle. Yeah. Right? So uh, – it was after the AP test, and so he wanted to start talking. Like, so he said, "Hey, uh, since we're done with chemistry, like, you know, we're done with chemistry two months early because the AP, AP test, test is, is in, fucking in early, May, right? Yeah. So he was like, "Hey, uh, would you guys be interested in learning philosophy? Because that's like a passion of mine." I was like, "Yeah." yeah. We were like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." So he was like, "Okay, cool." So I'm gonna. Te- so we had block scheduling. So our classes were two hours. So like, hey, so I'll teach like a half hour, forty five minutes of philosophy. And then you guys can do whatever you want for the next hour and a half. Just hang out and do whatever. Do homework for the classes. Study yeah. whatever you need to do. And he's like, okay, great. So then uh, me and my friend Mike were sitting on the stools. And so put our backpacks in front and like in the shelving, right? <laughs> we're playing cards <laughs> during his philosophy lesson. And so <laughs> he goes, he goes, guys, you couldn't wait. And we go, what? And he goes, pay attention. And I was like, we are paying attention. He goes, move the backpacks. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And so, <laughs> so I start pulling the backpack. And as the cards are falling down, I'm like catching them, right? <laughs> so I'm catching, I'm, ca- I'm like catching them as they're falling down off this, off this bar. And then Mike, Mike messes it up, and it like part like a big stack hits his arm and like falls, and so all he, and the and so as he like moves to catch it, all the cards fall, and so all he hears, <laughs> and so he just looks at us and shakes his head, and he goes, "Can I get back to my business?" I was like, "Yes." So, game hijinks. If there's any old school games you think that we should take a look at for our thing he also, he also shoved my friend down the stairs oh <laughs> so if you have any ideas not about shoving kids downstairs but about you know games that we might want to look at playing please send them to feedback at quality3.net uh, but speaking of crazy teachers because of, of small school like because my high school is also very small yeah we had one teacher who always used like the same insults so, like if his pen was missing he would be like what Communist pervert stole my pen. 
Wow, that's <laughs> aggressive. It was. It became like the de facto insult. You'd be like, give someone what communist pervert did whatever. That's so, awesome. Yeah, communist perverts was like part of the just the general colloquialism of the school. Wow. Okay. Um, so, with that note, I think we're gonna call it a day. Um, please like, subscribe, follow us on all the fancy, fancy things. And we're going to call it a day and see you in a couple weeks.